We live in a time where masculinity is shamed and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is the Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Valentin. Welcome back to the Brave Co. Podcast, men. Uh, I am with one of my favorite people on the entire planet, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, Jonathan Helzer, you're, you're a brother in um, your guys' place in North Carolina. I think the first time I came out there was maybe 2015, maybe 16. Yeah. But uh, I've, I came out there and, and spoke at your guys' school, and I told Lauren once I got there, because you never really know where you're going. I mean, you guys travel all the time. You know, oh, yeah. And you don't really know what it's going to be like. And I remember I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be staying with him. A little bit nervous. And like day two, I told Lauren, this is my favorite place I've ever been wow. in my entire life. Um, it's the place that Lauren and I would want to go to um, just to, to to seek God, just to have, you know, friendships. You, What you and Mel have built is honestly it's stunning there's no place it like it that i've seen and um wow and so it's an honor to have you on here i'm just going to talk really quick i'm going to introduce you and then you can yep. whatever i don't get right you can you can clean up but um yeah. uh you guys have just a, a phenomenal ministry um the 18 inch journey which is the journey from your head to your heart it's the most courageous yes. journey Mm. um that a person can ever take and you guys mm. have a, a discipleship school that's 15 years old i believe is that true yeah we just finished the 15th year yeah crazy and um and, and i'm gonna ask you about that in, in a little bit but you guys Good. have that school that's that's so unique and, and really incredible and then but you also have the cage cageless birds um that is like your worship it's your worship and it's your uh goods and stuff yeah. um, lots of creativity yeah, it's you guys yep. are just so creative. Um, and so if people aren't familiar, here's what I'd say. If, if you haven't gone and, and exposed yourself to Jonathan and Melissa's ministry, what you guys are doing, like like the the pure connection to the heart of God mm-hmm. comes through everything you're doing, from your, your creative stuff to um the discipleship stuff to the music it's just you guys are masters at getting people connected to the heart of god and then connected to themselves and so it's stunning um you guys also uh sell coffee you roast your own coffee and and That's sell right. coffee and and do stuff like that so for all of you some. coffee coffee snobs out there uh go get yourself some but johnny thank you so much for coming on here man and um this is, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to dive into this today. Yeah. And our coffee is so good that when you came to the land, you actually drank coffee. And we sent yeah. we sent your wife, Lauren, a photo. She's like, he's like, she said, he never drinks coffee. And you actually drank our coffee. So that's, it's miracle it's status coffee. So, you know, what was so cool when I came out there, um, 2015, I believe was the first time it, those were, those are some some beautiful and tough years in my life. I I was working through some anxiety and 
And um, <clears throat> like coming to your guys' place literally was a godsend. Just mm. being on, on the land and being a part of the community because, and, and I'm going to have you share what you guys do, but being a part of the community because you guys don't just do like, there's a lot of places that I go where, where it's like they, they, you know, have church services or some discipleship stuff, but you guys do family and mm. community. Like just talk a little bit about the, the vision behind the 18 inch journey and then yeah. how it kind of plays out and works out. And cause I really want people to get an idea of family. That's yeah. where, that's where we're headed. So yeah, for you can sure. kind of explain that a little bit. Yeah. Me and Melissa met at a ministry school in the late nineties. We got married in 2000 and my parents had already got this piece of property here in the heart of North Carolina. We're out in the rolling hills in the woods. Um, and by the time me and Melissa got married, they had built uh, two small cabins on the land and me and Melissa were coming out of ministry school, just ready to bring heaven to earth and do any kind of ministry. And my parents were like, what if you guys hosted a summer camp this summer? We'll cheer you guys on. And we're like, yes, we'll do it. So first year of marriage, we hosted a high school summer camp, had 20 high school kids. And we watched them have a beautiful collision with the love of God. And our whole passion at that summer camp was because I would go to summer camp every summer and get saved when I was a teenager. I would, you know, go to summer camp, <laughs> yes, give my dude. life to Jesus. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to be the best Christian ever. And then I would have a terrible year uh, <laughs> and have, have to go to camp and get saved again. And I just did that cycle yeah. all through middle school and high school. But our whole passion at that first high school camp was how can we help these young people not just have a one week experience, um, but how can we teach them to dig a well where they can have a year long friendship with God? Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're dreaming big. It's only one week, but we're like, we don't want you to just drink from our well, uh, yeah. but we want you to dig a well. And so at that first high school camp, it was like the acorn or the mustard seed of what the tree that the school is now was planted. And, um, and we saw it happen, not in every high school kid, but we saw a whole handful of high school kids that yeah. at the camp, they were like, wait, I'm born for friendship with God. And I want to take the time to dig the well in my heart. And mm-hmm. so we saw these kids for about seven years. We did that camp and we were getting to our late twenties at that point, And our hearts started burning for discipleship to actually, uh, have a longer season to pour in and to really at that point, we're only in our late 20s, so we were seeing all these college-age students go into the pressure system of the world and get crushed by the pressure system of the world. Yeah. And so our dream was, what if we could start a discipleship school that could teach them like Daniel had a pressure system in his heart that was regulated that was stronger than the pressure system of Babylon mm. and he was yeah. able to be he was able to be in the pressure system of the world but he could stay connected to a different source and he actually could overcome and thrive and be more than a conqueror in Babylon and so we we started our school for college age students like 18 to 22 year olds this was 2008 and we actually invited some of our favorite high school campers who were now in college to come try the school out. We didn't know if it would work, uh, but like, <laughs> come, you're going to live on the land for an entire summer and we're going to do life together. And discipleship won't just be in a classroom. It'll be around a table. And our, wow. our greatest inspiration was the way Jesus did discipleship. 
Um, one of our values is that we're found by a father, but we're formed in a family. And wow. so we wanted it to be that life on life discipleship that happens. And um, so that was our first school, eight students. And, and now we're 15 years in. We'll, we'll now have about 90 staff and students that'll be on the land. Um, and the students range now from 20, 21 to 30 years old. Um, so anyone, we just love that, that 20s, that age of formation that happens in your 20s. And it really is a school for identity. It's a school for your heart. It is a deep dive in the discipleship. And mm-hmm. um, it's beautiful, challenging. And I I've, I've feel like I've done the 18-inch journey 15 years. And every year it goes deeper. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so... That's 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 it in a, a quick little nutshell. Well, what I love is, and, and this will launch us in. But what I love is is a lot of your program is based around people actually producing stuff. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, there's a lot of programs where you go and, and you listen and you hear and, and you do homework and stuff. But I mean, like I had a, I have several friends that have gone out there. And I mean, they're weed whacking, they're gardening. Yeah, they're like, I mean, the students are involved in in yep. helping to actually take care of and build and cook and clean and things like that. And can you talk a little bit about like the value of that and and why yep. you guys started that? Yeah. Um, well, information is not transformation. Mm-hmm. If if information was transformation, we're, we're the like most informed, Hey, my <laughs> wife's on the phone there. There's my bride. Uh, but yeah, yeah, on, on, the, on this phone, I can have access to information as much as I want more than I want. Yeah. And, but it's, it's not transformation. Um, and so just sitting in a classroom for hours and hours and hours and it just going in our head, but never descending down into our heart, into our belief systems, into the core of who we are. So we we have like engineered this school where we do have moments in a classroom where you're going to learn, but then we want to get you into the garden of your heart um, and mm-hmm. actually get messy. I love that God's first interaction with us, he's got dirt in the crevices of his hands. He's got mud under his fingernails and he's got dirt on his lips because he's just kissed us. He's just literally Mm. formed us out of mud. And I believe that discipleship is this messy, beautiful redemption, glorious thing that happens as we dare to get honest and messy with God. So say we're we're teaching in the classroom one week about the fear of failure. And then later that day, you're going to be in a pottery class where you might be, I mean, we've had doctors, we've had lawyers, we've had all kinds of people yeah. from every walk of life do the school, and we all get them into some type of creative collective. And so you get someone down there who's never done pottery in their life. In the classroom, they're like, I don't deal with the fear of failure. Like, I've taken my notes. I know that God loves me. Um, perfect love casts out all fear. I have no fear. Yeah. And then they get down there, and they become a child again. They become a student again. They go back to the gardening and they get messy with God and they're trying to center clay on a wheel and they fail. It's a beautiful failure right there in their hands and they manifest all their fear of failure. And it's like they come, it's a reckoning of what they really believe. Mm. So we, we kind of use the arts as this like secret back door to get into their hearts. Um, and you know, we have a passion to see more and more men come to our school. We have 
Like when we open up our application, we'll have hundreds of girls will like be waiting <laughs> to apply. Some of the men get scared to do our school because they see all the creativity that happens. Um, yeah. But I tell men, I'm like, you got to be a man to do the school because it. we are yeah. going to dig into your heart. And we're doing the arts not to have this crafty little school. It's like to make a courageous journey into what you believe about yourself and what you really believe about God. Um, and we're starting a woodworking class this year. So where men are going to be making axe handles <laughs> and we're going to be making yes. like we're going to take the wood from the land. So. Um, that's why we use creativity is really just to get us out of information and for us to start getting brutally honest with God about what we believe. Hmm. You know, it's such a, a challenging thing. Um, as a man, I think one of the scariest things to experience as a man is the feeling of being completely powerless, mm. right? Like I don't, I don't know what to do in life and I don't know what I should be doing in life and I don't know how to get to where I think I should be in life. And, and I, um, you know, it's no secret that we live in, in just one of the most fatherless generations in history, um, where our fathers just aren't at home. And, and then on top of that, like, it's one of the most perverted generations in history yeah. with, yeah. and I'm not just talking about sexual perversion, although I am, but yeah. just perversion in general, like this is what you should want. This is who yes. you should be. Yes. This is, this is where your appetite and your energy and efforts should be pointed, whether it's money or, or women or, and the average man today, man, I don't know how the average man is is even functioning today because of the distorted, twisted message. Uh, one that almost that that a majority of men are being sent, which is, man, if dad's not home and present with you, yeah, that's really challenging. And then on top of that, you have this message coming from social media and the world that's like you got to be somebody like you got to, you know, you got to, you got to earn a million dollars and and you got to get a wife with a trophy wife and, and you need to be an influencer, you know? And so it's, it's really crazy. Like, um, men are just suffering mm-hmm. at, they're just suffering so bad. And, but when I look around, like so many guys are afraid to stop mm-hmm. and really take a look at themselves and go, like, how do I get out of this mess? How do I uh, really move forward in my life? And and I think that that's a lot of the reason why you don't have as many men, you know, signing up yep. to oh yeah to do a school. Like women, for the most part, aren't aren't like. Uh, I don't want to see what's going on inside of me because I'm afraid that I'm going to be embarrassed or yeah. I'm going to, afraid of, of crying or, but as soon as you start to take a man down that journey, yep. he's like, I don't want to go down this journey. It just feels, it feels girly and powerless. And yep. what do you feel like? Like, I, I know, you know, you have a lot of men that you guys have walked through 
mm-hmm. this process, like Jake and just all these these guys that you've been, you've ran with for a really long time. I mean, literally they were like 17, 18 yeah. when they came on staff. Like, yeah. what do you feel like some of the 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 real secrets to guys getting their heart back and getting well in in overcoming that fear barrier? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Dallas Willard says that God's more concerned in who we become than in what we do. Mm. God's more concerned in who we become than in what we do. Um, and like you were saying, like we've made the pressure system of the world that we're in right now has made an idol over what we do, uh, which is mm. what idols were. It was what our hands can yeah. make. Um, and it's like, are we worshiping the God we're making with our hands or are we daring to worship the God who made us with his hands? And mm. so I think that when that truth sets in for a man in his twenties, it actually liberates him. that it's like, wait a second, I can step off the treadmill and I can turn away from this seduction of success and mm. I can, I actually am worth taking the time to sink my roots deep before I have to bear fruit. And I love that Jesus, we have no idea what he did in his twenties. We know he was a carpenter, but he like, he was hidden. His roots were going deeper and deeper and deeper. um, So his branches could hold the weight of the fruit of what was going to come out of his life. And we, we worship instant success in America, you know, Um, but I watch over and over again, these trees that look like they could hold the weight of this fruit, but they have no roots. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think to, to challenge the men that come to, to press the pause button, to slow down, to dare to take a season like Jesus and sink their roots deep in the unseen. Mm -hmm. Um, Jake would be an amazing example. He did our, our second school when he was 17 years old. He's 32 years old now. Um, he married like one of the queens of our of yeah, of our did. community here, an amazing woman. Uh, he has two children now. He but he did come here as a boy, and he has become a man. Um, yeah, and he's done the work to become a man, and and he's still on the journey. I'm still on the journey. I'm in my mid 40s. Yeah. I'm still on the journey of learning that. Um, but I think teaching uh, teaching the guys to slow down, and then mm. I think. I just love that we have this picture of a man in da- in King David who was a man mm. that had hands that were so strong they could bend a bow of bronze and he could pick up a giant sword as a teenager and cut the head off a giant. But he also had the sensitivity to pick up a harp and play it in such a way it caused demons to flee from kings. And well, he, was yeah. a lo- he was a lover and a warrior, and he was a man that was aware of what was happening inside of his heart. And you read these 150 well-worn paths he gave us in the Psalms, and you find every human emotion Hmm. bleeding out of David's heart before God because he he was a man fully alive before God. He was messy, like I said, like we were were in God's hands in Eden. Like David was messy, um, but he was a man that was alive. And he also has that same path. Like he doesn't actually become that king until his 30s. And he has this whole season of, 
actually suffering, being chased by his father-in-law. I mean, that's a yeah. serious, serious family wild. issue. So wild. Um, <laughs> but it was causing his roots to go deep. And what, who is he going to become more than what is he going to do? And um, yeah, so th- those are a, a few things that we've learned in engaging the hearts of men on the land. You know, what's I, I think what's so... Um, interesting is so many men want to feel confident in whatever their ability as a man you know to protect and provide and promote and 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 all that stuff but in order to to be really confident in your ability like you have to be competent like you have to do stuff you actually have to uh, there was a quote the the other day that i saw i'm gonna ruin it but um, I got a guy was saying like, you can't just stand in the mirror and proclaim who you are mm. and feel like that somehow is just going to like magically instill in you the cap- the capacity to, to do those things. Like, wow, you have to have both. Like you need to be able to look in the mirror and go like, you can do it. And then you have to go out there and do it right. Like you, you have to yeah. go and actually, whatever, uh, uh, try and fail yep. and research and, and figure out why you tried and try again and do stuff in, you know, I, one of the major aspects of missing your father and not having a dad around is that you don't have anyone that's actually going, come and do this with me. Like when I look at Jesus and his discipleship model, right? The Jesus calls the disciples and for a long time, the disciples just follow him around while they watch him do stuff. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and then phase two is is like they do stuff with him, mm. right? Like they're doing it and he's doing it. He's yep. he's uh, doing some miracles and they're a part of it. And, and they're getting their butts handed to them as well. Like, you know, they got a, a boy that they can't cast a demon out of and, yep. and Jesus has to go and do it. And, and they're learning all the stuff, right? And then finally they get to this phase the the final phase where he's like you go and do it Mm. you've been with me you've seen me we've done it together and then now you go and do it and 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 by the way like you're going to do stuff that that i never did you're going to do greater stuff than that you're going to like you have all of my strength and 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 to me like when i when i look at our the men in our world today that's one of the biggest pieces that's missing is who walked with you and taught you and and pulled you out of your comfort zone, right? And gave you accountability, which was account for your ability, right? Not like wow. your sin, but like yep. holding you accountable to to the so highest good. level of so like good. I remember my dad when I was 13 years old, uh I didn't want to go to church anymore. I didn't want to go to youth group. And I told him like youth group's so dumb. I don't want to go to it and there's homeless people that come in and the worship sucks. That's literally what I was saying to him. And he said, yeah. oh, son, it, it sounds like you're going to to youth group for yourself. And I was like, I think I am, dad. I thought he was saying like, it's good to go to youth group for yourself. I'm 13, you know? Yeah. And he said, son, going to youth group for yourself mm-hmm. is the lowest level of living as a believer. Like we don't go to church for what we can get we go for what we can give. And I felt, I was like so cut to the core, right? I felt so selfish and I felt so little. And then my dad looked at me and he said, son, look at me. People need what you have. 
They need what you have. When you go to youth group, I want you to find somebody and sit down and listen to them. You're a great counselor. You have wisdom for people. Like my dad, right? My dad did that to me. He gave that to me. He gave me the gift of counseling. He literally, he, he identified it and he, he pushed it forward in my life. He promoted it. And what I love about what you guys are doing, which is a model for men what in women, but we're talking about men today. What I love what you guys are doing is you're pulling guys in, right? And they have this, this place where they can belong because you need to belong. Yes. And you and you need to belong before you ever behave. You need to know that yeah. you're loved and you're cared for, yes. which is what your guys' community does, yeah. right? Yeah. Like come eat eat dinner with us, worship with us, hang out. Yeah. Oh, but by the way, now you're gonna produce. Hmm. And in the production, you're gonna start to find out things about yourself. You're gonna start to find like you're gonna build some confidence that you can. Yep. And you're going to find these places where you can't yeah. and you're going to need a community around you to lean on, to pull the strength, to pour into you in. And real quick, when you're saying produce, I I just want to, when you're saying produce, uh, I, you know, our school, but I just want the guys that are listening. What we're saying is, is that we're not just going to have you sit in a classroom and listen to our message um, because our, our dream is that, and the kingdom dream is that they become overcomers um, yeah. and you overcome by the word of your story, by the word of your testimony. And so for in the school, it's like, you're not just going to listen to us. We're going to put a pen in your hand later today and you're going to write something. We're going to put clay in your hands and you're going to form something. We're going to put you in a community and you're going to not just be at the table as a consumer. You're going to go to the table as a contributor and actually do something and find out what's actually inside of your heart. Um, again, it's not like produce, like you're on an assembly line. You have to produce a car or produce a, a product, no. but it's like we it, it's the discipleship moment that Jesus had when he said, who do you say I am? Yeah. And Peter had to produce something in that moment. Like he didn't stay silent. He produced the words, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Yeah. And Jesus is like, yes, now that you know who I am, let me introduce you to your true self, Peter. You're a rock and I'm giving you authority mm-hmm. and I'm giving you keys. But that came from Peter moving beyond information, moving to an intimate moment of actually him putting in his own words who God was for him. And then it created this moment for God to pour back into him. So that's a huge part of what the school is. And it's what, and again, this is like, I want it to be so much more than school. We just want to do what I think kingdom life is meant to be. And we're meant to have friends and men and mentors and people in our life that do what your dad did for you in that moment who love you enough to say this is who you're born to be jason and so we we arrange the whole school like you're going to have a one-on-one pastor that is in your stuff the whole school and that's what jake is now like jake is like one of the jedis uh as a one-on-one pastor i you know just saw him the other day sitting in the wood shop with one of the men and i know he's doing what your dad did to you he's like yeah i i believe true spiritual fathers and mentors have eyes to see 
the kings and the shepherd boys. They have eyes to mm-hmm. see the harvest and the seed. I love that about your dad. Like he has those yeah. prophetic eyes to see like the army inside of the dry bones. And I, I went by the wood shop and I saw Jake down there. He's fighting right now for one of our interns' hearts. And I know he's speaking in. This is who you're made to be. This is who you're made to be. Like and and calling it out of him. So just wanted to tag in on some of those man. thoughts. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, our worlds overlap because you guys do discipleship and, and all, everything we do is discipleship. I mean, discipleship yep. to me is, it's, um, it is the model. And part of why we, I think growing up, I grew up in the church, you know, you grew up in the church and, and I grew up in the church for my whole entire life. And I love the church. I think it's it's just so beautiful. But one of the things that I saw was really lacking, and especially for men, you know, we had the Promise Keepers movement, which yeah. again, I think is an incredible movement that happened. Yeah. Probably both our dads were touched. I know my dad was, I'm just assuming yeah. that your dad, yeah. uh, he was impacted because of the, the influence, you know, millions of men across the country in the 90s and, and early 2000s were just flooding to stadiums and, and getting it's having these mountaintop moments and these experiences with God that were just so impactful. But at the end of the day, they come back home and there was no real follow-up, which I'm not saying promise keepers did something wrong. I'm just saying, you know, without, without that discipleship follow-up without the real, like, okay, now what do I do now that I've had this incredible heart moment with God, this connect, what do I do? What's next? Yeah. Where do I go from here? And and so when we were starting to build out Braveco, um, it was like, well, we can't just do conferences because I've done conferences my whole entire life, which is one of the the frustrations being in, in the church world is like I watch people go from conference to conference to conference yeah. and but nothing actually taking root in their life yeah. and and being being cultivated, a lot of stuff being stirred, but not a lot of stuff uh being nurtured and cultivated from that in i have we have this phrase here that um great men aren't born they're made they're built mm. you know come on yeah and i think that it's it's such a process to It's such a process to go from, you know, where you are right now to what what God has for you, the fullness of what God has for you. And yeah. what I love that you guys have modeled for years and have done is you you guys have spent so much time taking getting inside people's lives, getting in, in their story and helping mm-hmm. them walk all the way into freedom. You know, yeah. can you talk just a little bit johnny about for your men that are there what do you feel like is the biggest challenge that they face when they first enter into that yeah i think i was thinking about the moment where david is standing in front of goliath and Hmm. goliath has paralyzed an army with fear and I think it. I think it. It's a bit of a picture of what you were talking about. The epidemic we're in right now with men. It's yeah. like this giant of 
intimidation, this giant of lust, this giant of what the world calls success has like paralyzed a whole army of men. Um, and at that moment, David shows up and he's, he's had the oil poured on his head. He's had the, the affirmation of heaven poured over him. And it's made the 18 inch journey from his head down into his heart. Like he has, Hmm. the oil has dripped down inside of him where he knows like I am chosen by God. So he, he shows up on the battlefield knowing who God is, knowing Hmm. who he is, and then also knowing who his enemy is. And he, Hmm. and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine (laughs) to defile the armies of the living God? And then, and he's when he's standing before King Saul, he says, "I slayed a lion and a bear with my own bare hands. I grabbed it by the hair, and God protected me there." Um, and and he says to he says to Saul, he says, he call he, when he calls himself, he says, "I am your servant." So mm-hmm. he 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 says, "This is who I am." This is who God is, and this is who my enemy is. And mm-hmm. I think those are the three core questions that a lot of our discipleship is formed around, is being able to let God name you, learning how to name who God is for you, and then finding out who is who is the enemy of your soul. And what I mean by that is like, what are the lies that have come at you mm-hmm. your whole life that have paralyzed you and held back who you're born to be as a king and as a man. Um, and just just for me personally, I can look back and this lie that um, I'm not enough has probably been one of the biggest ones that's come at me. Yeah. Um, and the way that's, I mean, I remember being a teenager just absolutely petrified to ever speak in public. Um, and when I really got saved and followed Jesus, that lie didn't go away. Like it actually yeah. started yeah. and it started intensifying. Um, yeah. And I mean, I remember like I was in ministry school and I'm reading the stuff and I'm reading the books and doing everything. But man, if I got called to speak in public, like, I mean, absolute anxiety and dread yeah. and fear. And it's, I still feel it at times. I'm more free from it than I've ever been, but yeah. I've done the work to go down and go, oh man, this comes from this place of, I I don't have what it takes, I'm not enough, and Mm. learning to name that lie, uh, like David, and said, who are you? And then also, God, who do you want to be for me in that? Um, Does that make sense? Um, And Yeah. It's so powerful, right? Uh, Keep going, sorry, I don't want to stop. No, 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 that's fine, but that's just a huge part of like, that's the heart work that we want the men to do. And we, what we're here going to do if you come do the school is we're going to go down and find out what are the lies that have come against you. And is who, who does God want to be for you in that? It's really a journey that every, that every man has to take is yeah. that journey of like, when I, when I look at Jesus, he's getting ready to, to do his ministry. Right. And he goes yep. and, he gets baptized yep. by John and he gets his, his, the father comes out of heaven and yep. the voice of God comes out of heaven and says, this is my son, right? Like he gets yep. this identity, has this massive identity moment yep. before he ever does the works. Like he has this moment of affirmation. God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then it's so strategic of God to do this, but he gets led right into the wilderness yep. by the Holy Spirit 
to go have this showdown with the enemy. And Jesus in the middle of fasting. And um, it's just so crazy, right? Like he he has a showdown with the devil. And, and you know this, but just for, for everyone listening, the enemy is like, hey, if you are the son of God, like whatever, do all these things, cast yourself yeah. off, let the angels catch you, turn this, yep. turn this stones into bread, like perform, perform, do these acts, perform. And, yep. and Jesus, he just completely works the, the devil over and, and he just, he just, you know, you're not supposed to tempt God. You're not. And he's like, I don't have to perform for you. I don't have to jump through your hoops. Like I know who I am. I am exactly. the son of man. And it's just such a, a, it's such the perfect setup because without really understanding who you are, how God's made you to be, those lies that we're born with, not even just born, those lies that we uh, accrue throughout our life just begin to reduce who God's made us to be and to like, you know, we get put in these, I'm not good enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not strong enough. But when you can start to understand who God is and who he's made you to be, the the sky is the limit. And, and yeah. we watch so many guys go through that process, right? Of uh, We did a five-day challenge last year, uh, which is just like this free, it was like this free um, challenge, uh, live challenge that guys could jump on. And we had like 3,000 guys on there. And it was really cool. We take one night a week, or sorry, one night every single week for five days. And um, we just go after like uh, breaking cycles in your life. Or, and in one of the last nights, I did this message on um, breaking off the lies that God's called you. And man, it's crazy. Like the, the guys I talked about how, right? Like you have Saul that, that gets transformed into Paul. You have, you know, Simon that becomes Peter. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's just through the Bible, right? You have Jacob into Israel. You have all these different times when God's like, you're no longer the liar. Like you are, yeah. you know, gives, gives you a new name. And so at the end of this five-day challenge, we had these, we had everyone on there like sit down with God. And first they wrote down these lies that had, they had accrued, acquired throughout their life of what, you know, these boys had said and maybe um, their sexual sin had said or, you know, their father-in-law had said or their dads had said or whatever. And we started to break those lies off. And at the end, the coolest part is at the end, it's like, okay, now God's going to give you a name. Come on. And I want you to sit here and I, and I want God to. And so the power of hearing a father go, you are my son mm. in whom I'm well pleased. It changes everything. Yes. It, it's, it's like, um, like as a man to me, like you will strive to earn money. You'll strive to, to uh, obtain all this stuff simply because you you're chasing that one thing. You're, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased And man. I, I just think like 
that is such a foundational piece for every man on the planet today is do you know what God thinks about you? Yes. Are you connected to him? I heard you say um, on another podcast, I think it was a, was it a A.W. Tozer, uh, Tozer quote where he said, what you believe to be true about God or who you believe to be yeah. uh, God to be is the most important thing. Yes that you can believe in life. Uh, clean yes. that quote up for me, would you? <laughs> yeah, I think he, it's the most important thing about us is what we believe about God. Yes. Um, and, and I, yeah, I believe that, man, I love that story you referenced. Uh, it's one of my life verses, the baptism of Jesus into the wilderness. I mean, and it's literally like one sentence later, he's baptized, this is my beloved son, and a sentence later, he's in the wilderness, and the enemy says, if you are the son of God, like, you know, and all of the enemy's attacks are over our belovedness. And wow. so what Jesus, I think for those 40 days had been feasting on, I'm the beloved, mm. I'm the beloved, I am the beloved. So when the counterfeit was slid across the table, Jesus is like, no, this, it is written. This is who I am. This, this isn't just words I've read. Or a voice I've heard, this is something written on my heart. I know this to be true. He is my father. I am his son. And that's David on the battlefield. He's like, who are you to defile the army of the living God? I have a prophecy and I have a father that has a dream and a plan for me. Like, you can't take me out. That's where his confidence Mm. was rooted in who God was for him. So for me, that quote from A.W. Tozier is probably one of the core pillars of that we built a lot of our discipleship curriculum on is like what we believed, what we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And, and what, how that would play out for me just in my own journey is if I see God to be a grumpy taskmaster, a God, yeah. um, I know one of the, the lies that I've had to tear down from my thoughts is I've, I saw God for a lot of years, like an Olympic judge, and he's mm. just up there grading my quiet times. He's grading, uh, yeah, you got like a 8.7 today. You kind of read the Bible, but not really. And you <laughs> did this. And, and instead of a father, like in the stands, like cheering me on and any, and he's going to go home and practice with me later tonight and stay mm. out late throwing catch. And he's going to be with me at practice the next day. But I saw him for so many years as this perfectionist taskmaster who's you don't quite have what it takes. Um, mm. And to to have that lie, you know, Paul says, take captive every thought that has exalted itself above the knowledge of God. And there was these lies that, like Goliath, sat above who God actually was in my mind and in my heart. Um, and so my discipleship journey has been those lies learning how to take those captive and replace them with actually this is who God is. Cause I believe that the God we see is the man that will be the God hmm. we see is the man will be. So if we see God as this perfectionist, angry, grumpy taskmaster, we'll reflect it. And I can look back at the way I parented my kids and yeah. the early part of their age. And it actually breaks my heart. 
because wow. I, I can see where I reflected that kind of father to my kids. I mean, I'll never forget this one moment. My daughter's unloading the dishwasher. You know my daughter, Haven. She's like, she's, she's the most peaceful heart. She's like four or five years old, unloading the dishwasher. And she pulls a glass out and drops it on the floor and breaks it. And my first reaction was, it was, again, it wasn't anger like I hit her, but it, but frustration came out of my heart. And yeah. not patience, not kindness, uh, but I reacted to her mistake instead of responding to her mistake. Mm. And it was, it was, it was a sharp judgment. And I just remember watching her little, little spirit crumble. And I realized mm. I just reacted to Haven the way that I believe God reacts to my mistakes. Wow. And until I learn to be kind to myself, I'm going to keep parenting my kids like this, where I'm going to parent them from my perfectionism. And so it sent me on the, it broke my heart. Uh, but that's usually the place where transformation starts happening. And I'm like, God, I've, I believe that's how you respond to my mistakes. Like, hmm. you know, you know, earlier this week when I didn't feel like I measured up in these places, I saw you up there in the stands going, nah, not quite. One day you'll get it instead of like a father who's full of kindness towards me. And so as I begin to replace that lie with the true picture of he's a God who's slow to anger and he's quick to love, I've learned to be kind to myself, which I've now reflecting much more kindness to my son and daughter, much more kindness to my wife, much more kindness to those around me. So if we see God to be generous, will reflect generosity. If we see God to be joyful, we'll reflect joyful. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the process of being able to literally meditate on who God is and spending time hearing his voice and spending time like, because when I think about like, how do you go from having this view of Father God being upset and impatient angry and and then this other view of like i'm not enough i don't do things well enough i'm not what you know i'm not pleasing to him like we have to carve out some real time yeah i mean that's really that's the only way is you have to carve out unless you have a better idea but it feels like you have to carve out some real time in your life yep and in your everyday life to like get really present with God yep. in the midst of your successes and your failures. Yes. I know the one recently for me, and this is going to sound, uh, whatever bad, but I realized recently that I have been measuring other people mm. and, and assuming, um, like getting fresh, like I'll give you an example. Um, I was at uh, an event for our church and we were having this, this one guy speak. <clears throat> it was a men's event and somebody else had set it up and facilitated it. And I was like, oh man, I wish we would have had somebody speak. Like, like I wish we had had a good speaker. Like, that's just what I, I mean. That, I'm just being super. Oh honest. yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, I wish we would have got a good speaker to speak. I hadn't even heard this guy speak yet, right? He was just one of the guys from our group. And mm -hmm. he got up there and he started to speak. 
And he started to share his story. And it was so crazy. And I realized, like, I've done this like the past, I don't know, the past month, I've caught myself looking at somebody and judging them Mm -hmm. and going like, I caught myself doing it today. Judging somebody, then spending, you know, a long period of time with them and realizing like, I've got these places in my heart where I judge other people and I judge me that do not line up with the heart of God. Wow. And the only way that I'm going to eradicate that one is by being super honest with myself. Yep. And, but then to allow God into those places, because it would also be my tendency to be angry at myself for like, I want to punish myself because I judge somebody instead of like, like, how about if I, how about if I invite God into this moment mm-hmm. and allow him to father me in this moment and allow him to care for me in this moment? But that's a, that's like a daily, like that's a real intentional daily um, thing that, that we have to, we have to do in order yep. for it to really take root. Yes, Absolutely. Which wow. is part of the discipleship process, right? Like, yeah, we want things so fast, and and I'm the same. But we do. We want things so fast. Uh, we want we want to work through pain in five minutes. We want to, you know, be a professional in in, in a day. We want yeah. to have, you know, success with our wives without having to really understand my wife and yep. and her really know me deep like that. It, we just want this stuff so quickly. Yeah. And and mostly because we don't want to have to go through the process, through through the pain and through the process. Yep. But yep. I think too I've been thinking a lot about th- there is no end point. Like there in my younger years, I kept thinking like I can't wait till I get to my 40s, you know, until I get to this place where I'm just like or I can't wait till I get this place financially where I, where I can like, I'm, I'm trying to like get to a place where I like, I made it. I get to rest. Right. I like yep. get to stop. And the older I get, the more I, I realize like all the life, all the beautiful, all the stuff that's worth it mm. is in the journey. It's in this discipleship journey. It's in the life on life. It is, there will, will never be a point when, I grow beyond this like needing father God to come in and affirm me. There will never be this point where I grow beyond, you know, having a bad day once in a while and having to go clean up a mess there. Like that's part of the, the beauty of life is in this, this journey in this discipleship yep. journey. And, um, it really is the secret to becoming, you know, a strong, healthy, powerful man is God invited us into a life of discipleship. He invited us into a family and you guys model it so well where you're at. And I watched those men and, and so I just, for me, I, I have such a desire to see men, whether they join Braveco or whether they go work, you know, go to your guys' school, 
but like who are you doing life with and who and yep. who's discipling you and yes. are you allowing god into your day-to-day moments that are bringing you to a place of real victory yep in in him um yeah i just there is no great secret to becoming a great man it is in it's in the process of doing life with people yeah yeah i was just reading yesterday in the gospels jesus said you you talked about this earlier but he said come come follow me and i will make you into fishers of men mm-hmm. like you were this but follow me and i'll make you into something completely different uh, mm-hmm. transformation will happen as we walk side by side and i'll form you and make you and you just read Peter's story and it was like, it wasn't, Peter didn't do the master class with Jesus in, you know, <laughs> in, in three weeks. And then he's like, I'm the fisher of men now. Like it was a three year, <laughs> after three years of the best discipleship school any human's ever done, like he completely yeah. fails the class. And then you read, like you, he keeps screwing up so many times, like his, his, the forming never stopped. Like it was going, it was Eugene Peterson calls it a long obedience in the same direction. Mm. And he's like, Peter, we're going to walk this road for a long time together. And you're the transformation is going to be more than you could ask or imagine, but it's never going to end. And even at the mm. end of your life, like you're going to open up your arms and someone else is going to clothe you. And Peter ended like being crucified. Like he end, like the forming was still happening. And um, there is this lust inside of my heart same same thing like i want to just arrive like i want to get mm. to this place where i outgrow my need for god and i'm like yeah. that's so screwed up like yeah i i would the greatest part of this thing called christianity is that i need him um yeah but i i think we yeah i i've given into that and i i've it's that just that grasping manipulative part of me that just wants control um, yeah, and I think I think discipleship for me. I've been seeing so much recently. It happens when I dare to answer the original question that God asked man: mm-hmm. "Where are you?" It's the first question mm-hmm. God ever asked a man: "Where are you?" And Adam chose to hide behind his his fig leaves of performance and religion and shame. Um, but I, I believe discipleship really happens when we dare to go. This is where I actually am, God. Like that moment when I Haven dropped the glass and I reacted. It was a moment that I I could have just moved on, but I just stopped and paused and said, this is where I actually am. I am stuck Mm -hmm. in these lies about who God is. And now I'm damaging my daughter because I have a damaged view of who God actually is. Mm -hmm. And I've been damaging my own heart for a long time because I haven't actually received who God wants to be for me. Uh, another Dallas Willard quote, he says that our actions reveal our beliefs 100% of the time. 100% of the time, our actions reveal our beliefs. So I think one thing you could do right now as a man is just look back at your actions from the last week. Take an inventory and go, what do those actions reveal about my beliefs about who God is? Mm-hmm. Um and there could be some really positive moments you've had and some other moments of like, okay, when I 
freaked out when I looked at my bank statement and me and my wife got in an argument about our finances. Like, what was I actually believing about God in that moment? And then grab your journal and go, God, what what's the instead? Who do you want to be for me and my wife in this season? Or who do you want to yeah. be for me right now in this season as a man in this part of my journey? And I think that's the that's the part, that's the really courageous part of discipleship where Jesus is like, I'm ready to form you and make you and shape mm-hmm. you and mold you if you'll come down here and actually dare to get dirty and honest with me and confess, this is where I actually am right now. But so many men want to pose and pretend that we're, we got to yeah. figure it out, you know? Um, yeah. I had this moment with my son a couple couple days ago, and we were talking about one of the things that we get to do on the land is we get to work together a lot. And that's one of our favorite things. Cause that, that's where a lot of discipleship happens. And he was like, dad, I remember this moment. One of the first times I was working with all the guys, he was probably 10 or 11. And one of the men told him, Hey, go over to the tool shed and get this specific tool. And Cadence said, he went to the tool shed. He said, I'll never forget this moment. I, I walked in and we have this room that's got, you know, about 30 or 40, of our outdoor tools hanging on a wall. And he said, I realized that he asked me to get the specific tool and I had no idea what that tool was. Hmm. And I just, I stood there in front of all those tools and I, I felt so ashamed that I didn't know what it was. And Hmm. I just wanted to pretend that I did, but I was so afraid to actually go back to them and say, I don't know what that tool is. And I was like, oh my, and he has a great, like he has a dad that's ready to teach him those things. And, yeah. and that shame, that powerlessness that you were talking about. Like, yeah. and I think that's a picture of so many men right now. Like we, we, like, we're like, we know we're called to do these things and these things. And then we go and we open up the, we go into the tool, the tool room and we're like, we have no idea how to be a dad, how to be a yeah. husband, how to be a, how to be a brother, how to, how to be kind, you know, and, and we just, if we could dare to go, this is where I'm at. I don't know how to do yeah. this. Somebody help me. I think that's where the discipleship really starts. To me, it has to be one of the most powerful questions I've heard in a long time and and haven't really thought about it much like, like that. Like, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Where are you at right now yeah. in this moment? What is actually, what is going on inside of you? Yeah. And of course you can hear that in a shame way. Or you can hear that in a loving way of like, explain explain to me what's happening. I want to know you, I want to understand, but I, I'm also here to to be with you. And one of the most challenging things in life is is to know where you're at. Yeah, uh, it really it's the weirdest thing in the world. It yeah. is. It's it can be very hard to understand what's going on inside of me and, and why is it there and 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 why do i feel the way that i feel you know in working with just i don't know thousands of, of people i have found over the years that most people don't actually even understand their story mm. they don't really understand what happened to them when they were young they don't understand why they are the way that they are how it affected them the way that they see themselves, like they don't, they've never pieced it all together. The, this thing that, and, and then as you know, like when you start taking someone, like one of the things we do in Braveco 
is they have to map out their story. Yes, they yes. have to map out their highs and their lows and yeah. what it meant to them and the effect of that, right? And oh my gosh, it, I can't even tell you how many times people go, I had no idea that when I was introduced to pornography at eight years old, that that shaped the rest of my life. And then they're yeah. heartbroken, right? Like they're, they have this moment of deep sadness and, and like real deep sadness at how much they even judge themselves, right? Yeah. They feel so much anger for all this sexual sin and all this stuff when they weren't even the originator of it. Someone wow. came in and brought a violation and that became how that became where they learned to medicate, right? Somebody taught them like, hey, pornography is a great way to whatever, fix your anxiety or fix the pain of living in this home. And you don't realize what happens in your brain when you get addicted at eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old and how that shapes the rest of your life. Right. And, and we're not necessarily talking about all that sexual sin or whatever, but most people walking around have a very, very limited view of where they're at, why they are, where they're at, how they got there and it is it's probably it is one of the most important things that you can do right is to sit in the moment in and go why are you here what are you feeling where are you at what's going on inside of you and then being able to sit in that with god here's what i've seen happen a lot in the church is we often, we come to God like we come to our friends with the, like our Sunday best on, you know, the poser. Yeah, yep. I, I need to please God. Yeah, That's typically the thought, right? Like I want God to be pleased with me. So I don't want to come to him with this like, hey, I feel like a piece of crap today. And I feel mm. a lot of shame. And, and I, I feel, you know, heartbroken and whatever. And so, but then we wonder why, like, why don't I like myself and why don't I feel comfortable yeah. in my shoes? Yeah. Why don't I feel like a powerful man? Probably like, I don't know, like probably like six years ago, I had, I finally realized like I'm carrying so much shame around, like I hated my job. I didn't feel motivated. You know, I didn't feel like, I hated it. I didn't like doing it. And there's shame around that, right? I'm a pastor and, and I'm, I'm supposed to be helping people and, and it's a blessing. And then I, I felt really, I, I felt really wore out and I just, I didn't like going to work every day, but then coming home too, I felt, i started feeling pretty inadequate in different areas of my life as a husband mm. and little things right like my wife would be like hey you forgot to take the garbage out can you take the garbage out and hey you forgot and, and i realized like at some point i realized i'm walking around most days just carrying shame i just feel mm -hmm. i feel so much shame over how i feel about work right now and yeah. my lack of motivation and then my lack of discipline really not necessarily my lack of motivation my lack of discipline mm. and then when i get home i'm not really showing up for my wife at home Wow. And, and then at some point I had to, to, I remember making a decision. I was in the garage and I re realized like, 
I have to start telling my wife about the shame that I'm carrying. Yeah. Because it's not going away. It's, it's starting to define who I am, right? Like mm. it, I'm starting, it's starting to hurt my marriage. And, and of course the opposite happens to what you think is going to happen, right? Like I want to hide my shame. I don't want to tell God that I feel a bunch of shame. I don't want to tell my wife that I feel a bunch of shame because I want her to see me as this powerful, confident man that doesn't need her, and, but can do everything, you know, whatever. And, but that was the first part of me conquering that stuff in my yeah. life is yeah. just the just admitting it, right? I don't know how to yep. get out of it. I don't yep. know what the answer is, but I feel a lot of shame. And I remember saying that statement a lot in that season. I feel a lot of shame right now. Wow. And that became my go-to, right? Like my go, if my wife and I were in the middle of a conversation and I felt whatever, you know, I just started to be really honest with her and be like, not in self-pity because there's that side. Like I feel a yeah. lot of shame. Like I wasn't looking here for her pity. I actually was looking to go like, hey, this is what I feel. I don't want to feel like this, but this is why this is why I'm operating like I am right now. Wow. I feel a lot of shame. Now I need to go repent from that. Right. Like I need to. So that was the second step is like, yep. I can't keep breaking promises to myself. Right. I can't keep, I can't keep going through life and just because it's easy to get stuck in that rut too. Like I'm admitting that I feel shame or anger or pain, but then I just don't do anything about it. I try to, to, I feel good that I admitted it. And so I just stay there. Hmm. But going to the next part where it's like, okay, you feel shame, you feel pain. What are you going to do? Who are you going to invite into your life to start yeah. pulling you out of that? You know, or what actions are you going to take in your life exactly. to start moving you from point A to point B? And I just think that, that you know, for me, that was one of the big breakthroughs that came especially in the knowing myself and getting from a place of real shame to like, um, I think overcoming that shame and then feeling proud, you know, a, a sense of like, yeah, like, man, he, I did something that was really truly was courageous and was hard to do and it, it paid off, right? It, it worked. Mm -hmm. I pulled my wife into this, into this moment with me. Wow. That's so good, Jason. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, Johnny, would you, would you pray for, um, for us? You know, we're going to, we're going to close here, but I just, you have such a incredible, um, grace on your life to connect with God and, and to mm -hmm. bring God into your story. And, um, you just have such a, a great way to, um, yeah, really encounter the love of God. I'm just wondering if you can pray and, and invite God to do that to the men who are listening to our podcast today. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So wherever you're at, if you're driving or you're working, wherever you're listening to this podcast, however you can, I challenge you right now to somehow press pause to slow down a mm. little bit. And take a deep breath. Breathe.
breathe in the breath of God, your dependency is your honor. It's not your shame. Hmm. From the first moment God fashioned Adam in the garden, he was dependent on God's breath. He had a need from the first moment he was formed. Neediness is not shame. Neediness is your honor. Slow down a little bit more and breathe in the breath of God that's all around you. And I declare over your heart right now as you're listening to this conversation that me and Jason have been having. I speak over your heart the words that Jesus heard in those Jordan waters. You are a beloved son in whom the Father is well pleased. You are a beloved son in whom the Father's heart can't stop erupting with joy each morning when he sees you. You are a beloved son. And George MacDonald said, now that we are the sons of God, let us become the sons of God. Hmm. So I ask right now that the Father would activate something deep inside of your heart, like that fire that was lit in David's heart to become the man that he was born to be, that you would rise up from wherever you're at, even the the paralyzation of fear and pity and lust and all those prisons, that as you hear the voice of the Father ringing over you, that something would wake up in a deeper way to arise and become the man that God dreamed you to be. And this whole podcast, I keep hearing the Spirit speaking those words from Psalm 139. And it says that even in our mother's womb, God knew us. Hmm. He knit us together in that place. And I declare that, God, you knew me before the foundations of the world. You know every part of me, even before words on my tongue, before I even think a thought, you knew it. And at the end of Psalm 139, David prays, search me and know Hmm. me, God. And I think when David prayed that, God's heart was so ravished. It's what he was longing for Adam to say when he said, where are you? Here I am, God. Search me. Know me. Come help me. I don't, I don't know what I've done. And so I, I just charge you, wherever you're at listening to this, to make David's prayer your prayer. Search me and know me, God. Wherever you're at in your life, if you feel powerless, inadequate, I just dare you, charge you to pray it. Search me, God, and know me. Search me, God, and know me. So I bless each one of you as you listen to become the man the Father dreams you to be, to dare to get beautifully, brutally honest and say, God, this is where I actually am. May your face shine on us, Father. Thank you that it's your good pleasure to take us from glory to glory. We say yes and amen. Amen. Amen.
Johnny, thank you so much for coming yes. on here. And yeah, such an honor. Sharing your, your life. And gosh, I just love you guys so much. Yeah, we love you. And we love what Brave Co's doing. That You guys, just all the resources I've been digging into, digging in. It's just such incredible stuff. I wish I had this stuff in my 20s and 30s. <laughs> so you guys are just putting out incredible stuff. I'm so thankful for what you're doing, Jason. And we're just here cheering you guys on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yes. All right, Brave Co. Men, have an incredible week. Stay brave out there. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Brave Co. Podcast. If you like this podcast, would you please rate it, review it, leave us a great comment. And if you like this episode in particular, share it with your friends and family. That helps us to spread the word. Guys, stay brave. We'll see you next week.